The reading today is taken from Luke 14, verses 25 to 35. You can find it in the Church Bibles on page 1048. That's 1048. The title is The Cost of Being a Disciple. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure heap. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. This is the word of the Lord. Morning. Great. Um, please could you um, find your pew Bible and I'd like you just to turn it to page 977 which will take you to uh, Matthew 11 and you're thinking hang on we've just been reading from Luke anyway bear with me right, and when you've done that 977 just put it to one side and we'll come back to it in a bit. Right. Um, who knows what the uh, chemical formula is for salt? Uh, Vicar knows. Come on, someone else must know. Yes. Very good. Sodium chloride is the chemical name. It's a sort of um, chemical, NaCl. Exactly. There we go. Um, so I have a, a simple question for you. How can salt actually lose its saltiness? How can NaCl become anything less than NaCl? Any uh, scientists amongst us? Any, any good ideas? How, how does that happen? Well, spoken like a true non-scientist, <laughs> because a scientist would tell you that actually NaCl is pretty well always going to be NaCl till you do something else with it. Um, so how can salt lose its saltiness? Well, I'll tell you. Um, how do you think they got salt 2,000 years ago? Where did it come from? 
came from the sea. And for those of you that have sort of traveled further afield, you may well have seen like salt pans and salt fields um, where basically there's a very shallow um, amount of salt water which is then barricaded off and it's allowed to dry. And then instead of the water, of course, the water evaporates and you end up with um, a, a layer of salt across the top. That's where salt came from. And unlike today, when, of course, the salt you shake out is, is treated and it's pure, it is basically just NaCl. Um, in those days, salt came with all sorts of other stuff mixed up in it. It was broadly salt, but, of course, it came with, you know, bits of earth or whatever. And um, they stored it in piles. And salt, as you will know, also attracts moisture. So if you just left your pile of salt uh, for a long time, over a period of time, it would lose its saltiness. And it did that because the salt content would uh, become diluted and would ultimately just kind of flow away. So all you were left with was a pile of rubbish. And you couldn't use that as Jesus says, you couldn't use it to grow things in, couldn't use it for fertilizer or anything. Um, that's how salt lost its saltiness. So where do we, what do we take out of that for ourselves? Jesus is really talking about those that follow him, Christians, um, being like the salt of the earth. And if we simply sit around in a pile and we don't actually use our faith, use the salt, then over a period of time, it's liable just to kind of seep away. So it's a really important message, I think, for those of us that, uh, that follow Jesus, um, that this is not just something you kind of stack up in a corner of your life and say, there it is. This is actually something you've got to use in the same way as you had to use the salt. Because if you didn't use it, it would lose its saltiness. It would gradually seep away. So um, I just thought that was quite interesting. Um, one of the things which, um, which, which I do is, is I'm involved with schools. And um, there was an in inspector, actually, who, who, who went to visit a, a primary school. And we're thinking a little bit about children today. This is for you guys, all right? We have all this to look forward to. And uh, he was sort of going around the class, class of eight-year-olds, year four. And, um, and he, he looked over the shoulder of one little chap who was sort of working away, and he saw this written down. It said, yesterday, 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 sorrow, sorrow, sorrow. Today, today, today. Hope, hope, hope. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Love, love, love. And the inspector turned to the teacher and said, this is some of the most inspiring work I think I've ever seen from a, from a child of this age. And... Uh, teacher went and had a look and said, ah, yes. And the child then 
looked up at the inspector. He was saying, this is just the most wonderful poem I've ever seen. Um, fantastic. And the child said, that ain't no poem, mate. Those are misspellings. Anyway, in baptism, we make promises, don't we? We've made promises. Parents and godparents make promises. Um, put your hand up if you're, if you're married. Okay, there we go. Me too. Very good. Now then, here's a challenge for you. Do you remember when you got married, you made some promises, didn't you? Can you remember what they were? I'll give you a clue. I name, take you name, to be, in my case, my wife, to, come on, no, no, what do you do before you love? Well, you do love, and you do cherish, and you have, and to hold, some of you obeyed, others didn't, um, to have and to hold, from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, sickness and in health, yes, we're, we're on a roll, according to God's holy law, in the presence of God, I make this vow. And that's a very serious promise, isn't it? It's as serious as the promises you guys have been making this morning. Um, and it's a promise when you get married that changes your life when you think about it. You've hold the, heard the expression that uh, to leave and cleave. So for a healthy marriage, you need to learn to leave your parents or the life you are living, and you need to cleave to, make a new life with the partner that you're promising to do. And you promise to do that till death do us part uh, in rich Rich, richer for richer and for poorer and sickness and in health and so on and so forth. It's a very significant set of promises. Um, and those of you that have got married, how much, did you, how much did you think that through? Did you just wake up one morning and think, I'm going to get married? Or did you actually think, do you know, I suppose I ought to really consider whether or not I'm ready to do this? Um, this is actually a significant matter in my life. I'm not just, it's not like going down to the shops to buy a pint of milk. Uh, this, is, this is important. Um, and we don't go into things like that without really checking it out, making sure we can do it. Um, how many of you have seen grand designs on telly? Yeah. How many of you like watching grand designs? I quite like watching grand designs. It's this program which is all about people who decide that they're going to set about building a house to their perfect specification. And you get the most amazing buildings going up. But part of the excitement of the program is, is all the drama that goes through as the, usually the couple concern, you know, have to do all the financial planning and go through it with the architect and almost always something goes wrong but usually they end up with something nice at the end of it. Well, in this reading we've had today, we hear a little bit about Jesus saying, look, you don't set about building a tower without first doing all the sums, figuring, figuring out, have you got 
the resources you need to do this. It's the same if you built your own house. You wouldn't do that unless you had planned in advance, would you? And that's exactly the point that he's making in our reading in Luke today. He's saying, following me, becoming a Christian is a serious undertaking. It requires you to change the way in which your life is organized, a bit like getting married. You leave your current family, you join and make a new family. You leave and cleave. It's like building a brand new house. You don't do that without planning it, making sure you've got the money set aside, making sure you've got the right people lined up. Okay, it's, it's a long-term endeavor, and it's the same when you turn to Christ. It's a significant and important commitment. So why on earth would you do it? Let's have a look in your Bibles. Page 977 should be in Matthew 11. And I'm going to take you to verses 28 to 30. Because you see, Jesus, when you follow him, he says, following me, you can have life in all its fullness. And here he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And I tell you what, there are so many people I meet day to day who in their jobs, in their personal lives, in the way they feel about what's going in this country, feel weary and burdened. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls because my yoke is easy, my burden is light. That is the joy of Christian life. It's the yoke of Jesus, but it's not something that we, we enter into lightly or easily. And as Christians, we have our faith like salt, you've got to use it. Faith in action regrows, redoubles. Faith just parked in a corner of your life will just eke away. Our salt loses its saltiness. So let's not do that. If you are new to the idea of following Jesus, you might like to find out a bit more. If you've been following Jesus for years, then use your faith. Don't let it seep away. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, the way it speak to us, speaks to us through all these years. And we pray that you would help us to use our faith, help us to commit to you and be serious in our commitment. Amen.